This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. PhD candidate in educational psychology at the Graduate Center. I work in the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development, and I interviewed Susie, who earned her PhD in Earth and Environmental Science from the Graduate Center. She is now a subject matter expert who works remotely for the stormwater tech company, Storm Sensor. Today on the phone, I have Susie Housley, who graduated from our Earth and Environmental Science PhD program at the Graduate Center, and she works for Storm Sensor in Nashville, Tennessee. And so she's going to tell us all about what it means to be uh, an environmentalist in industry, hopefully, and a scientist. And um, we'll get to hear all about it. So hi, Susie. Thanks for joining me. Hey, no problem. Nice to talk to you today. So tell us about where you work. What kind of company is this? Yeah, I work with Storm Sensor, which is a, a stormwater tech startup company based out of Seattle. And I work remotely and uh, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And we work on developing hardware and software, sort of Internet of Things technology to help cities track how water flows through their cities, um, adapt to climate change and track um, where there might be sewer overflows and in general, just manage their water in a smarter way. Awesome. So if you work remotely all the time. Um, I do travel um, from time to time. We have group meetups. Um, I'll fly out to Seattle to our main office to meet with everybody. I travel to conferences and sometimes um, out to where customers might be installing sensors. But my day-to-day work is um, all from home. Okay, great. So so tell us about what what is a day like at, at your job? What kind of work are you actually doing? Great. So um, like I said, I live in Nashville, and the bulk of my team is out on the West Coast. So I try to get up um, early in the morning, any of the deep focusing tasks I need to do. I like um, data analysis, or if I'm writing an article or a blog for the company website, I will try to do those early in the morning before anyone's like having coffee on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our team has a stand up every morning, which is just an all hands on deck meeting where we have everyone who works remote, everyone who works in the office. We all hop on a video chat and we say what our main goal for the day is, determine if there's anyone blocking anyone else, how we're going to deal with it. And then we go our separate ways to work on our projects. So from that point on, I'm doing tons of collaboration. My position is as a subject matter expert. So I work with all the different developers to help them um, design the product. So for example, I might be working with a software developer to help them apply the different metrics that we need to make sure users um, can get a real-time alert when there's water coming out of a manhole in the middle of their city. Or I might be working with a data analyst to help them design a study um, so we can pick which flow equations are the best to use under which circumstances. Um, I also work a lot with our customers. So if someone's thinking about designing a smart water system for their city, I might help them determine, well, where's the best place to put a sensor? Where are you going to get the best data? What types of what types of alerts are going to be most helpful for you as you try to manage water in your city? And I also talk to users a lot and get their feedback on 
you know, when you're using the software, would you like to group data points in a different way so you can figure out if you're meeting your permit requirements or not faster? Or is there something that would be able to zoom in on a particular storm um, and look at that data a little bit more easily? Um, how can we get that slated in and brought back to the project team to make sure that we are developing a product that is super useful? Wow. So yeah, I've never heard of any of the things that you're doing. So this is super new and fascinating. And so I'm wondering what kind of research were you doing in graduate school? So um, this is actually a lot of new work for me as well. All of my background is in environmental science. And I knew pretty early along um, in my undergraduate career that I was really interested in water quality. So I sort of took um, and journey, I would say like of circling a topic uh, rather than diving deep into it like a lot of other researchers do. So I had studied water, water quality, water chemistry, water policy, and I came to the Graduate Center specifically to do an interdisciplinary project. When we're looking at water quality, so much of it is controlled by the community around it. You know, like, what are they throwing out on the street? What are they flushing down the toilet? what kind of chemicals are they putting on their yard? All of that gets into our water. And I wanted to look at that component, which is really something I had not dug into before. So I had the cool experience of being in the Earth and Environmental Science Department. My main advisor was a geochemist, but my other committee members were in sociology department and also in geography, because I was doing some mapping as well. So, um, I had a good time building on my experience. I had never done any sociology before, so I designed a community survey, looking at ways that the community at large could work to lower the amount of pollution going out into local waters when we have storm events. And ended up developing a program that the city is piloting now, um, aimed at encouraging water conservation during rain events. And oh. while I was working, I also took advantage of a couple of different fellowships, which were, were great. Those were mostly aimed at teaching. So I taught in New York City Public Schools through a National Science Foundation grant, also taught some undergrad classes. And that really helped me a lot. I think a big stumbling block for a lot of us uh, researchers can be science communication. And I think the mm -hmm. taking advantage of those opportunities really helped me be able to communicate what I am doing as a researcher, um, which I think has helped me as I moved out of academia and into industry. Wow, yeah, definitely. Science communication exercises wherever you can get it, teaching, talking to friends. <laughs> Did you have significant prior experience when you entered the job market after graduation? Like, you know, going from teaching to private industry with this kind of data that you're doing, it's, it's a little different. Right. So I have had, so from my undergrad, I went straight to my master's and then I took a job as an environmental scientist for um, a government agency. So I did that for about four years prior to coming to the Graduate Center. So I had that experience to lean on. Um, I also had the teaching experience from the Graduate Center. So I would say I had decent uh, prior experience living the market. Um, I was not specifically having experience in the field I ended up entering, but I think in the startup world, you learn pretty quickly that everybody just learns as they go. So that's that's been exciting, and I really enjoy facing new challenges every day, so it's kind of right up my alley. 
Yeah, yeah, that does sound exciting. And, you know, while it's not an exact match, you definitely are aligning a lot of the things they need, right? What were your initial career goals like in, you know, PhD EES program? Did you always kind of envision yourself doing doing tech environmental stuff? Um, No, I actually had no plans of doing anything non-traditional. I thought I was going to go into a professor role. Um, I really do enjoy teaching. I love being around students and that energy and all the new ideas. But it ended up that the way life happened, I had a baby about 10 days after I graduated with my PhD. And so I had decided prior to graduation that I was going to wait on applying to anything because I was just headed into two really big unknowns for me. I had no idea what it was going to be like to be a new mom. I had no idea what it would be like to be a professor. So I just decided to wait a little bit. And I'm glad I did because I realized I wanted to go into something where I would have a little bit more flexibility with my schedule and um, specifically the ability to work from home at least some of the time. So I started out at first I worked for um, an environmental nonprofit for a little bit and that was fine. Um, But what really drew me into the startup world was just that need for constantly being challenged, constantly doing something new. I really like the idea of being part of a team that's creating something, you know, inventing something really and uh, solving problems, practical problems out there on the ground. So that's what drew me um, into that world. And I found Stormwater Tech Startup Company based out of Seattle. That's Storm Sensor, where I'm working now. And they ended up bringing me on as a subject matter expert, which is how I got into the tech field with my background not necessarily being in technology itself. I'm wondering, did you find the company and then decide, yes, this sounds like a place I want to work for? And you kind of, you know, had them choose where you would belong or did they have an opening for a subject matter expert and you just kind of thought I can fit that role? Um, I found them and really I was I was pulling together a couple other government contracts. I was doing some technical writing and um, I knew I wanted to do something else. So I found them. They were not advertising <laughs> for a position at the time. <laughs> and I just said, hi, I have a PhD. I have government experience. I'm based in Nashville, but if you ever need somebody uh, to work with, with this type of experience, you know, give me a call. And I thought, you know, that that's probably going to go nowhere. Um, but they gave me a call. They were um, a very early stage startup at the time. So they were in a fundraising period um, where uh, typically how a lot of tech startups go is you have to get raise a bunch of money, then you can hire on some people and you're sort of building the ladder as you're climbing it. So they were in that process. So they uh, let me know, you know, if, if we can raise the money, we'd love to bring you on the team. And it all just ended up working out. And how long did you, would you say you had to wait between, you know, contacting them and saying, I would love to work for this company and them actually being able to bring you on? About three months. Okay, actually, not too bad. Close to the um, government hiring process, right? Yeah, pretty much, yes. <laughs> um, so what do you think was most beneficial? What do you think made you an attractive candidate for this company? Do you think it was, did you align your interests with theirs? How were you convincing? Right, I think um, for this particular position, it was my breadth of knowledge around the subject. And like I mentioned, earlier throughout my sort of career and academic journey, I've really 
circled the topic of water quality. I've done um, a lot of work on water chemistry. I've done a lot of work in water policy. I've worked for the government and I've seen those policies in action. And then I've worked in academia and done you know, the modeling and the chemistry. I've worked with the communities. So instead of, not there's anything wrong with it, but instead of doing the academic track where you tend to just dive deeper and deeper and deeper into a certain subject, I really attacked um, water quality from all angles. And I think that made me an attractive candidate because it seems like as a subject matter expert, I can be that person the team can go to when they say, how do we help cities meet their permits? How do we know which flow equation to use? How do we mm -hmm. figure out how to, you know, some of the other people, their experiences in writing code or developing the front end of a software or building um, the mechanics of a piece of hardware. And they need someone to sort of guide and say, how do, how do we do these things in a way that's useful from a water quality perspective? So I can sort of be that common thread through the company. Wow. You know, I think I think this position would be really attractive to a lot of scientists who want to see their science applied immediately in the real world. So I'm wondering if you have any advice for uh, current grad students who are interested in being this, like maybe a subject matter expert that, you know, their colleagues go to for the thing that they happen to have done their PhD in. I was going to say, it's funny you said that because I had written out a few things here and my first one was be practical. Um, if you're looking to go out and to be an industry and specifically in the startup community, you're looking to solve a problem. So you're looking to apply your science in a way that a city or a certain community can immediately see the value in and run with it. So if you're interested in practical science, getting solutions out there, solving everyday problems, that's a great thing. I would also say work on your ability not just to communicate science, but to communicate across fields. So a lot of times in grad school, we are, you know, we talk to the people in our department and we can get very good at that. But in industry, um, it's very valuable to be able to communicate to someone who maybe is an expert in something else, um, which I really had to learn how to talk to coders people who write code for software. I That's not something I haven't experienced in. So being able to communicate a water quality concept in a way that they're understanding it, and also the other way around, so that I understand how code logic works enough that we can decide together what is the best way to write this software so we can deliver water quality information. And then another piece of really maybe more general advice, um, being in the industry or startup community specifically, you really need to be a self-starter. I think this is probably really applicable to people that are just getting through grad school also, but I always say it's really, really good to be able to push your limits um, to what you think you can't do. You can usually do a little bit more, um, but that's the part you don't usually have to tell grad students, but I think the other part of that is knowing your limits and not get yourself into that burnout stage, um, which you hear about all the time in the startup world and, you know, maybe in grad school too. <laughs> okay, so that's leading me to this next idea of like, how, what is your work-life balance like with this startup job that you work remotely? Like what are, how do all these things factor into your work-life balance? Right, um, and I, I first off would like, I think um, work-life, the term balance really doesn't exist. I feel like it's more like a work-life maintenance. 
and I'm pretty sure the number one thing that I have learned after working in the startup industry and also having two really small children and working from home is that this is something you have to continually be revisiting. You can't just decide one day, like, I'm going to be balanced, and then it just happens. Um, what worked last month for you might not work this month. You know, your home circumstances might have changed. Something at work might have changed. In the startup world, a lot like grad school, there can be this sort of toxic culture of wearing your stress like a badge of honor. And I am totally not on board with that. I don't think great work gets done that way. And I really also don't think happy lives are lived that way. So I think constantly checking in with yourself is key. Um, I was just joking with the CEO of our company actually this week that I sometimes just need a reminder that I'm the one in charge of my life. So if something's not working for me, if I'm feeling burnt out, I can change that. I can get up at a different time every morning. I can go to the gym at a different time. I can maybe make my lunch the night before so I don't get distracted and work through when I should have been eating. Or I can take a day off if I need one. So really just um, making sure that you're being mindful and continually checking in almost on a weekly basis of you know, how's my work life maintenance going? Is there anything I can tweak to improve my quality of work and my quality of life? So it sounds like you've also worked on, you know, setting boundaries for your work as well, which is something like you mentioned that graduate students might not be the best at. <laughs> yeah, I've had to do uh, quite a bit of work there. I think probably like a lot of grad students, I'm definitely that type A can do uh, people pleaser type personality in grad school is a lot like the startup world. There's about 20 things that need to be done right now. And you have to be able to take a deep breath and prioritize those and realize this is what I can do now. This is what I can do tomorrow. And this is what we're going to have to um, make a plan to do later. And it's not always easy to set boundaries. It's definitely a challenge. Definitely don't feel good inside every time you have to tell somebody no, but it's it's a valuable skill to learn. And I think the thing that helped me learn to set boundaries the best was realizing that the, my quality of work when I am burnt out and trying to do many, too many things at once isn't the greatest. So even if you're fighting against that voice in your head telling yourself, oh, you're being lazy if you don't say yes to everything. I can answer that now and say, actually, I'm not going to do a good job on any of this if I try to do all of it. So I need to say no to two of these things or else my work isn't going to be top quality and I need to be delivering top quality work. So I do have high standards. And in order to meet them, I have to say no to something. I like that idea. <laughs> I like those thoughts. So since you do have uh, experience, it sounds like you've got government experience, you've been in academia a little bit, and now you're in the startup world. Why don't you, can you, can you pick out some of these pros and cons of these different kind of work sectors? Like, what do you like about being in a startup? Or what did you like about government work? Or what are the benefits to leaving government? Or whatever you've got. Yeah, it can definitely can compare and contrast there. Um, government work is great. It's study. If you like routine, if you like knowing you always have a job <laughs> tomorrow, um, if you like, you know, you usually get a nice steady paycheck. You don't have to worry about getting grants or getting funding and you usually get good benefits. So that's you know, a nice stable job. The downside there is, you know, it's not usually the fastest pace. Some 
cities or different government agencies may be more progressive than others. Um, I found for myself personally, I wasn't quite challenged enough working at the government. I prefer a little bit more of the fast-paced, challenging environment. And for academia, I, I think that there's a lot, I, th I think a lot of this is changing, but I think being a new junior professor in academia is very challenging. Um, now, this is something I didn't experience myself because I didn't do it, but I saw a lot of my colleagues going through the same thing of just getting really heavy course loads, maybe not getting paid exactly what they're worth all the time, depending on where you end up working. Um, that was part of the ended up going into my decision not to pursue that career path right away because I was honestly feeling like I don't know if I can handle all of those expectations right away at the same time that I have a newborn baby, I think I might need to try something where I'm in a little bit more control of my own schedule. I will say it's hard. I mean, I sometimes don't share that part of my career journey because I feel like, I don't know, it makes me, there's always this guilt in academia for not becoming the professor and not doing, you know, what everyone thought you were going to do or even you thought you were going to do. But I think that part of the journey is interesting and at least proving to myself and maybe might be inspirational to someone else that if you want to do this, if you want to stay in your career and have a PhD level career, there are things you can do to make that happen for yourself. You might be in the middle of the country, but you can probably figure it out if you really want to. Um, and it's definitely challenging. I'm not a Southerner, so it's challenging for me to fit in here. I definitely miss having friends in academia and, um, you know, my work friends, they're all in Seattle. So I don't have, it's, you know, I don't get to do that happy hour thing. Um, I loved at grad school to just go out and get a beer and we'd all be talking about our research and all the exciting things we're doing. So I definitely miss that, that aspect of it. But, you know, there's bones yeah. and you can make things work. And I'm super happy to have found a way to be involved in like a really high level career from yeah. you know, where I am. Can leave your comfort zone of New York and still find a job. Because I think, I think your story is fascinating because you sought it out and people might not think to look at a company, like to find that little company that's doing things they find interesting and then tell them, I could be a sub an expert for your company and um, I think that's really interesting that you like took charge of it in that way. I remember having conversations while I was looking for something you know it did take me it was it did take me forever it took me a few months but with my mom saying I know I know I'm a square peg <laughs> for like having this level ex uh, you know I have this level of experience but I want to work from home um, but I know that there with everything out there these days there has to be a place where I so I turned I turned down a couple job um, opportunities because I knew I knew there had to be a way I could make what I wanted to do work. That's see I think that's very inspirational <laughs> to like keep at it till till you find what what you had in mind. So after graduate school, you made a move out of New York, and a lot of people struggle with whether they want to leave New York. And I'm wondering what helped make that decision for you. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't my 100% decision alone to leave New York. Um, we left because my husband, who had been working for a startup at the time, their contract ended and we decided we just couldn't afford to stay in New York. 
without knowing what we were going to do career-wise. And I was just writing my dissertation at that time. So we went back to Florida and I finished up my writing from there. And then I came back to the city to defend my dissertation. So I had already left like the, my last semester, I had already left the city. So we went back to Florida, which was where we had been living before um, to figure out what we were doing. Um, that's where I had my first child and I decided I wanted to find something where I could work from home. Um, tried working for an environmental nonprofit, doing a little bit of technical writing for a little bit, which wasn't too bad, but it really wasn't for me. And then from there, we ended up moving to Tennessee because that's where his family was. So that's how I found myself in Nashville, looking to do a job that was more fast paced and tech centric. Um, but, you know, I was in Nashville. So that's why I felt like I was probably going to have to find something remote um, in order to do what I wanted to do. And I decided I, you know, I really became dedicated to finding something I could do where I felt like I was utilizing my PhD level experience and being challenged and really adding to the world in some way, which, you know, a lot of us feel driven to do. Um, it took me a while to get there. I actually went on a couple job interviews and ended up turning them down because the positions were, um, you know, just another government position or a position at a consulting firm, which was just really, I didn't feel utilizing my PhD level experience or giving me the type of excitement that I was looking for. So that's where I ended up saying, I'm going to, you know, contact this stormwater startup company out of nowhere and just introduce myself and tell them yeah. about my experience and see if they might want to talk to me one day. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really, it's really empowering that you were able to hone in on what you found was interesting and, um, kind of convince them that that you were going to be as useful as you are. That's pretty awesome. I'm wondering, do you have any overall general advice for graduate students who are finishing, whether they're scientists, non-scientists? Okay, well, I would say definitely keep an open mind. Um, there's lots of different career paths out there. And if you know the type of work you like and what's challenging for you, then don't feel like you just have to keep walking along the certain path because that's what you thought you wanted uh, when you entered graduate school or that's what your advisor wants or that's what you think your parents expect you to do. Um, there's plenty of different op options out there and you're not, you know, a failure if you don't decide to go into academia right away. And that might not even be the best fit for you in the first place, you might be able to contribute more um, to the scientific or research community somewhere else. Um, so keeping that in mind. And I also think that maybe I'm repeating things I already said, but just trying to be mindful and always just keep checking in on yourself. Is my career going the way I wanted to? Because I can stop and do something else. I don't have to be committed to this one certain path. Is my life work balance working out the way I thought it would? Because I don't have to keep going down this path either. I can make little tweaks every day and get to where I want to go. You know, no, no, you're never stuck in any one point in time. You can always keep moving forward and um, hopefully in the more positive direction until you figure mm. it out. Yeah, that's great advice for us to all take. Um, so with that said, I want to thank you for all of your time that you've shared your story with us. And, you know, we're really excited to maybe hear more about your career in the future. Okay, great. Thanks. 
Thank you again to Susie for taking time to share her journey from the Graduate Center to Storm Sensor. The Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development can help you explore your many options for a career. Make an appointment to speak with one of our career advisors at cuny.is slash career plan. You can find a list of our upcoming events there and also follow us on Twitter at careerplangc. Thanks for listening.